0: You're listening to Heroes of Healthcare, the podcast that highlights bold, selfless professionals in the healthcare industry focused on transforming lives in their communities. Let's get into the show.
1: Hi, I'm Olivia Reed, and you're listening to the Heroes of Healthcare podcast. Today, I was joined by the burnout prevention guru, Jenny Bonner. Jenny is responsible for the well-being of physicians, APPs, and nursing staff for all of Banner Health. After we recorded, she gave me a quote from the Dalai Lama who said, love and compassion are necessities. And Jenny is using this as her driving force to help prevent and address burnout for all the healthcare heroes at Banner. She dives into the causes of burnout and what specifically Banner is doing to ensure its team feels valued and has a healthy connection to the workplace. As the Surgeon General has said many times, physician burnout is real. And in today's society, burnout is real across many industries. In this episode, Jenny gives great advice on how to address and put measures in place to help your organization keep burnout at bay. We hope you get as much out of this as we did. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Thank you. It's great to be here. I am so excited to talk to you and to learn more about what Banner Health is doing to address and help prevent burnout for their staff. So really to dive right in, can you let our listeners know what burnout is?
0: Yes. So burnout is really our, well, let me just say that our adopted definition is that it's an occupational syndrome. And it's really characterized by this high degree of emotional exhaustion and depersonalization and a low sense of personal accomplishment. Um, And it's also a prolonged response to chronic situational stressors on the job. Um, So it's really about a person's relationship with the work, the workplace. I want to say that um, it is associated with um, the risk of mental challenges. It's not an individual mental health diagnosis in and of itself, but it is um, associated with anxiety, depression, substance abuse, uh, moral injury etc. It is definitely a distinct workplace phenomenon. And it requires this, in my belief, and I'm not alone in this, a systems-oriented, organizational-level approach and solutions.
1: Well, I, 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 that definition, it, it definitely um, tugs at your heartstrings a little bit. Can you tell us who Banner Health is, for those who don't know, and then um, what exactly your role is at Banner, and then we'll, we'll talk more about the, the difference you're making.
0: Yeah, so Banner Health is a large healthcare system. We have about 30 acute care facilities in, about, in, diff- in different states. We are in six different states. However, um, mo- a lot of Banner is in Arizona, And in Colorado. I am the, um, my title is the senior consultant for um, clinician experience and development. I had to think about it just for a moment because it was physician experience and development. um, And then we have APPs as well. And then we added nursing. So we changed it over just to clinician experience and development.
1: That's wonderful. And is this a role that was created because of the pandemic or has Banner? been focusing on this and had this as a position prior to the pandemic?
0: Right. So it's been about four years, maybe um, three and a half years ago. Um, I've lost a little track of time. But um, Banner was committed to reducing physician burnout prior to the fit pandemic. And we started with physicians and APPs. Um, we formed a steering committee, and I think it was at the end of 2018. Um, so we really got started in 2019. Um, and then, of course, we hit the pandemic in 2020. Um, but we kept steady throughout the pandemic in our work, um, in our efforts, even though we were definitely slowed down. Um, so we've been, you know, up and running since then for the physicians and the nurses. We started um, in uh, 2020. Uh, we um, have funding for both from um, our foundation. So we got um, foundation funding um, for both of these efforts. Um, and it's been it's been good. Um, in some ways, we're just getting started, so it's it's a great. Um, let me just say uh, the names of our initiatives. We have two initiatives. The first one is cultivating happiness in medicine, and the second one is wellness and nursing. Um, and our mission for both of these teams is to really actualize an evidence based model that we call the Swinson model. And the Swinson model has like six major components. It's a very holistic approach to um, addressing clinician well-being. Um, It has like design to design those organizational systems to address those human needs, Um, developing leaders, you know, creating a good sense of social community. There's quite a bit of research showing that social community really is important to well-being and happiness at work. Um, It has an individual wellness and well-being component, which is really important. Um, We all need to um, you know, be aware of self care and doing what we can to stay healthy, um, and to, you know, be engaged and enjoy our work. Um, And then we have second victims, which is originally was about critical incident, um, you know, debriefing and and really supporting our clinicians, you know, when errors happened or a major incident happened. Um, But of course, you could even consider um, COVID, um, something that created second victims. So, and then the last bucket is around pebbles. And those are those inefficiencies, those operational inefficiencies that kind of are like a little pebble that are in your shoe that irritate you as you go through your day trying to do your work. Um, but one of the things that we are focused in on is this work um, environment. Um, we know that Dr. Maslach, who um, is the founder of the Maslach Burnout Inventory, um, she has done, her and her, her team has done three decades of research and have shown that there are six causes, you know, or risk factors to um, developing burnout. And these risk factors include things like chronic high workload, a lack of control, insufficient recognition and reward, a low sense of community, this perceived lack of fairness and um, mismatched values. So we are really focused with both of our initiatives on the workplace environment. It's really critical for us. Um, I think that if you have a good workplace environment, that, you know, it can lead to greater engagement, happiness, well-being, and less burnout. So we're very focused on that.
1: Well, and there's so much data, it sounds like, that has been put into creating a model that, that can really make a difference. But what triggered this the so four years ago when burnout really became a, a, you know, a top focus for Banner Health as an organization, where did that stem from?
0: I think there's been a, a lot of work on burnout, especially by Tate Shanafelt, who was originally at Mayo, and I think he's at Stanford now, and I may be wrong about that, but he has done a lot of research on burnout. And so this conversation around, um, hap- you know, having joy in medicine or happiness in medicine um, was really um, emerging prior to the pandemic. And Banner wanting to be a leader in healthcare um, really caught wind of all of that work and wanted to be a part of that. And that was the original formation of, hey, let's let's put an initiative together that's focusing on improving physician well-being and reducing burnout and preventing burnout. Um, so we started um, with the steering committee like I said, we formed a group of physicians that came together um, and started looking at the Swinson model. And we adopted that model as our, you know, our evidence-based strategy and got to work. Um, and it's been slow, um, but steady. So, and then when we picked up wellness and nursing, um, you know, we, it was a different animal, but very similar, of course. And the two interact together. So in 2023, we're going to really work on synergizing our efforts with both um, so that we can really gain traction because this takes a whole system. You know, it's not just about one team. It's about every team in the whole system. It takes a village to really um, move this forward. Um, So we're very excited about our 2023 vision and where we hope to go.
1: I I love that, and I'm sure there are many people who might be listening to this who who want to think of ways that they can incorporate similar models or or do similar things to what Banner Health has has implemented. So can you tell me the differences between the Cultivating Happiness and Medicine and then the Wellness and Nursing nursing Initiative? How do those differ? How are they similar? And what are some progression or some some things that have happened in each of those um, that have really helped push the needle forward?
0: Hmm. Well, the the similarities are they both work in the same environment, (laughs) you know, pretty much. So the environments that, you know, they share the environment. Um, However, the issues are different. Um, You know, both are dealing with, um, we've got a huge amount of retention or turnover, I mean, a huge amount of turnover happening right now. Issues with retention in both populations, but especially in nursing I think the staffing shortages are more relevant in nursing right now, um, even though they're also present in the physician um, arena, in the APP arena as well. Um, The nursing um, is really looking at um, some major challenges, and, and so are the physicians. They're both looking at major challenges. It's just like there's so many things that have come together, and the pandemic Pushed us over the edge, so to speak, um, with all the challenges that healthcare was facing prior to the pandemic. Um, we're even facing more of those challenges today in both arenas. So, like, um, there's like these immense challenges and demands on healthcare workers. You know, we've got all this new technology coming out that takes a lot of training and effort to manage. We've got electronic charting, which the issues around electronic charting, especially for the physicians, continue to grow. Um, and um, it's still a major issue. A lot of physicians report um, spending a lot of time having to chart into their um, own personal hours, not being able to get it done while they're seeing patients. Um, There's also this widening health disparities that are happening in our society. Our patients tend to be sicker. They tend to have higher acuity, right? Um, So there's all of that, Um, but we have these projections of this shortage that we're um, hitting both within the nursing and within the physician communities. So we're looking at, and I've got the stats right here, that over half a million RNs were expected to retire by the end of this year. That's just amazing to me. Um, And that the US Bureau of Labor Statistics actually projects the need for 1.1 million new RNs across the United States. Um, And then the shortage of physicians is between 54 million to 139 million by 2033. That's astounding. It's an astounding stat, right?
1: That is terrifying. And it's almost a a crazy cycle because what you mentioned is that so many, what, what is causing burnout for current staff is the attrition, but then... Almost, some of, I'm sure, what is aside from retirement, some of what is causing the attrition is the burnout as well. So it's almost coming from both angles.
0: Right. It's very true. And burnout is a, um, it's really a big issue. Um, there's many factors that are associated with burnout, like societal and culture factors. You know, we've got this, the politicalness of science and public health. Um, and then we've got, you know, the racism and health inequities, <laughs> structured racism and health inequities. We've got health misinformation. We've got this mental health stigma, which is so interesting to me because we have a lot of, you know, um, increased incidence of mental health issues from the pandemic. Um, but before the pandemic, one in five of us were affected by um, some mental health issue. Um, so it's it's common, you know, anxiety and depression are common. And of course, suicide is associated with depression and physicians are at higher risk for suicide. They, um, It's like they're, before the pandemic, it was estimated we were losing a physician a day, um, 360 physicians a, a year um, to suicide, I believe, um, maybe wrong on that, but that's my memory. Um, You know, so there's like this, the healthcare system, there's all these regulations, um, you know, reimbursement policies, administrative um, burdens through paperwork, um, you know, care coordination is a growing challenge. Um, There's organizational challenges, um, you know, and there's um, workplace and learning environment challenges. So there's like all these challenges on all these levels um, that we are um, having to face. I want to just share with you all that um, there's this quote that was in the Surgeon General's report that came out this last summer um, from Vivek Murphy, Murphy, um, don't know if I said his name correctly, but it goes like this. He says, addressing health worker burnout is about more than health. It's about reflecting the deeper values that we aspire to as a society. Values that guide us to look out for one another and to support those who are seeking to do the same. So when we talk about, you know, addressing burnout and creating a work environment where our clinicians can thrive, it's bigger than just burnout. We're talking about our core values that we really value each other and respect each other and have compassion um, and kindness for each other you know, healthcare is all about compassion and kindness, really. Um, it's all about caring for the sick. And I, I think nursing was really established with those values in mind. And so are physicians, you know, compassion is so important for the effectiveness of medicine.
1: Yeah, there's so many layers to this. And it really is peeling back an onion for lack of better term. But you mentioned at the beginning of this, when you described and gave the definition of burnout, you said that there was emotional exhaustion that, that caused it, but then also that that feeling like you're not necessarily making a difference. And, and that is kind of shocking to me, especially in the medical community, because they are truly saving lives every single day. So where do you think that plays in or, or what would make them feel like maybe they aren't making the difference that they set out to?
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's an excellent question. And I think, it's emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and personal accomplishment. Those are the three domains of, of burnout. Um, burnout is really different from acute stress. So when you experience acute stress, it's kind of like um, it's it's about too much. It's like you've got um, you know this kind of a pressure on you. You feel tense and tight. Burnout it sneaks up on you you don't always notice it when it's happening. It's really this sense of being dried up, so to speak. Um, Your emotions get blunted. Um, You get this kind of feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. Um, You get this feeling of detachment. That's where the, um, you know, the the depersonalization comes in. That's really a cynicism or a negative reaction to the job environment. You start to detach, pull away. And the personal accomplishment, is really when you start to really question yourself, you know, where you have this negative evaluation of yourself and you start to think, am I really making a difference here? Does my work really matter? And, you know, yes, you can maybe see it It, it could matter. It, it does matter, but you lose touch with that. And it's really this low morale or this reduced productivity or even capability Um And you end up with this kind of loss of an ability to cope with the pressures and demands that you get in the day-to-day environment. Does that answer your question? Yeah.
1: It does. And again, it is, it's heartbreaking though to think of these medical professionals who are these doctors and nurses who are in advanced practice, advanced practitioners who are saving lives every single day for them to feel like they, you know, are not achieving that professional achievement that they're seeking is 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 kind of shocking. But I love that Banner Health and what your role is doing is really trying to address the prevention of burnout. So what are some things that you're currently doing or that the health system is doing to to to, to try to address those with your staff?
0: Well, i mentioned one thing already, and then I want to talk a little bit about our wellness and nursing program, because some of the work that I'm doing in that space has been truly inspirational and motivational for me. Um, But the the one thing that we're really doing is looking at a systems-oriented organizational level approach and really involving other teams so that we're working at it in an integrated way throughout the whole system. Um, So that is a lot of work if you think about it when you're in a big healthcare system to pull together the teams to kind of look at what piece each team has in addressing the work environment and helping reduce and prevent burnout and improve well-being of our workers we have all kinds of teams we've got hr teams working on engagement we've got um, you know the clinical consensus groups that are working on improving you know policy and procedure and clinical uh, operations We've just got a lot of different things going on. So, how do we integrate in the line? So that is a big piece of where our attention is, um, especially in the operational inefficiencies that the, our physicians run into day to day. We don't even know quite how to really approach that in an effective way yet. We're still in conversations trying to figure out how we work together to um, to make an impact that's notable. And that really truly makes a positive difference in the work lives of our professionals. Um, in the wellness and nursing space, we actually formed a WIN, um, Wellness and Nursing WIN, is what the abbreviation is, um, champion program. And I have like 50 champions um, throughout the 30 um, acute healthcare facilities and then a few offshoots. We've got one in one clinic system and we've got one in post acute care. Um, we um, have uh, develop these programs that were really geared towards creating positive experiences for our frontline staff. Um, and we use evidence-based qualities such as gratitude, kindness, compassion, um, strengths. Uh, so, and, and we're actually focused on purpose right now. Um, those evidence-based qualities, by focusing in them, we provide um in, we increase positive emotions. And by increasing positive emotions, we increase positive experiences. Um, we've had some really um, beautiful things that have come out of this program. First of all, I couldn't be more proud of the nurses that are our champions. They are truly nurses inspiring um, nurses and other healthcare team members as well, because these programs reach everyone ultimately. Even though we're focused on nursing, it's really about everyone on the frontline team. Um, So I just want to mention, we focused on gratitude and we know that there's a lot of benefits to um, gratitude. It has quite a bit of research behind it. Um, You know, humans are built to connect. Um, You know, connection is really important and gratitude um, helps foster that those relationships and connections. Um, It helps us feel, you know, better. It helps us be more resilient to stress and achieve more and, and, really um, be more helpful and generous. I mean, the benefits are pretty huge. Um, So we had these hearts that we had our champions take out to their frontline teams to fill out. And on the heart, it said, I am grateful for blank um, or gratitude does blank. And we did, we mixed and matched them. And then they went out and they had the team members fill these hearts out. Um, And if they completed a heart, they were eligible for a $200 gift card. Um, so that was a little incentive that we had. And we gave out gift cards for each facility. So based on size, some facilities get one, some facilities got up to three if they were big. So um, we did those um, drawings. That was a lot of fun for them to win. And then when people win the gift card, they, there's a little celebration and we take pictures of that. It's it's really fun to see those pictures. Um, we um, then had them enter into a contest if, if for those that wanted to. To use those hearts in some creative way to create a display for everyone to see um, the gratitude, to spread the wealth of gratitude, to kind of help um, spread these gratitude conversations throughout the facility. So people created these incredible displays. I mean, it was just incredible. We had one woman take these hearts and create a um, butterfly sculpture. We had someone else do a place where they had angel wings where you could stand in front of the wall and take a picture with these angel rings of gratitude hearts. We had people do gardens of gratitude. We had um, just these incredible um, displays and even patients and family members commented on it. We, the winner of our contest, we went and did a special celebration for, we were out there in front of the display, giving them a trophy, you know, um, and, uh, you know, kind of honoring the team for this work. And patients and family members actually gathered and applauded <laughs> as we were doing this. Um, and the responses, the responses that they, you know, were just incredible. You know, this one guy had something very simple. He said, "I am grateful for being a dad," and he had um, a picture of like these stick figure family next to it. But when you saw that, you it just immediately uplifted you. And that was a simple one. There are very heart-moving ones that were quite complex. You know, they had like a whole paragraph. Um, But the win champions, you know, so we're helping them develop leadership skills of creating these positive um, experiences. And some of the comments that we had were amazing. Um, One of them is, I feel that I, as the champion, learned the most. I got to visualize the happiness that being grateful for something or someone changes just about everything from enduring to the end of a long shift or just letting someone know being positive and focus on enjoying each other while caring for our patients and each other really does matter just it was just incredible and then we focused on strengths the next one we focused on superpowers which we called strengths people came up with videos um they had so much fun with it. And the biggest comment that I got from that one was that they, could, they couldn't come up with their own strengths. So the team members would start pitching in to help them identify their strengths. And that got the conversation rolling about each other's strengths, which really lifted morale and um, really made a positive difference. It's like some person said, What a fun way to learn what your peers really see in you.
1: That's remarkable. I, I just, and, and for anyone listening, what incredible ideas that any, if you're not in healthcare, if any industry you're in, just be, you can implement this in your workplace and you can do something similar to help prevent burnout, but in turn, just really make, uh, your, your employees feel good about the work that they're doing. And just, just kind of, it it, it takes it down to a very human element.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and they love to hear the patient comments, um, We haven't used those yet, but I think people really like to hear how they're making a difference for the patient. Um, You know, for the healthcare worker, we all go into healthcare because we want to help people. We want to make a difference. A lot of us feel called into healthcare, um, you know, for that reason. And when I talk to nurses about why they went into healthcare and, um, you know, it's really sometimes it's often because... You know, they had an, a, a childhood experience with a loved one or even with themselves where they were sick or the loved one was sick and they saw a nurse or a physician that um, they saw the work that they were doing and they were inspired by it as a child and then grew up to become that as an adult. That's a common story um, for why people go into healthcare. I know for myself, I, I was um, 19 taking a human physiology course. And I just had this epiphany that I wanted to help people, that I wanted to help people have greater health, um, which later turned into be having greater health, happiness, and well-being. Um, you know, and that has been a constant theme in my whole career, no matter what hat I've worn. So it's, it's really, um, people are usually in healthcare to make a difference for people. Um, and sometimes we lose sight of that because it's so demanding. And there's so many problems, and it's hard. It's hard work, um, and sometimes our patients are difficult. They're stressed, you know. They're inconvenienced. They're stressed. They're facing their mortality for the first time sometimes, and they're not behaving that well. They're they're in crisis and grief, as I call it, um, acting out sometimes. And as healthcare professionals, we have our own stressors and and um, crises, and so sometimes it gets really tough between patients and providers, just, you know, both, you know, stress meeting stress. Um, But in the end, I think every healthcare professional is there to make a a positive difference for people. That's why they're in the field. And um, patients, it's not easy to be a patient and having that compassion is really important.
1: Well, I I love the work that Banner is doing and that you're doing to help spearhead this. You mentioned that you're going to use some of the patient remarks and and you're going to, share that in some way, what are some other ideas and and what uh, some things that you have in store for the cultivating happiness in medicine and the wellness um, in nursing initiative that haven't happened yet?
0: Well, in the the cultivating happiness in medicine, we're really going to be focused in on more about those operational inefficiencies and how we can make a a positive impact in that arena for our clinicians to improve the work environment. So that's our focus in 2023 um, primarily. Um, For the wellness and nursing and our champion program, we are looking at, um, and this has not been um, vetted yet, so we have, it it may not stay this way, but we're looking at um, a theme of um, people experience or start with heart. Um, So um, the the year theme would be start with heart, um, and it's all about people experience. The first cycle that I'm looking at, which starts in February, we have these quarterly cycles. Um, where we have cycle activities, we're looking at focusing in on compassion and kindness or kindness and compassion. Um, so that's right now we're focused on purpose. So, our current cycle where I have people answering um, one of three questions around, you know, your purpose at work, where you find meaningful work. Um, one of them is your story, you know, why did you get into healthcare? Um, and, and then the other two have to do with, you know, where do you find meaningful work or, you know, joy in your work? Um, so that's going to be exciting. We're going to build displays based on those responses. That should be really fun. Um, in February, we're looking at ki- um, kindness and compassion. Um, I'm not quite sure what that's going to look like yet, but I'm thinking of, you know, having um, acts of kindness and compassion and having people log those acts. Um so we'll see what happens, but that start with heart idea, because um, it's really about the people experience. It's about, you know, a lot of the patient experience um, work, and I did patient experience for years. Um, it is really about people experience. It, it impacts you, those, um, you know, the, the compassion, kindness, um, caregiving, um, having meaningful conversations, all of that impacts you. It impacts your team how we support each other, how we show up for each other, the respect and the the way we communicate with each other matters. Um, And then it impacts patients. Um, So it's it's that three-pronged approach um, that we call people experience that's really important. So we want to tie into the people experience in 2023 through the WIN Champion Program in some way, starting with uh, compassion and kindness and focusing on starting with heart
1: my, I feel like my heart is fuller even just from listening to all of these ideas. And I'm so glad that you are highlighting, you know, these heroes and mean that's, that's what we try to do on the show. And the fact that Banner is, is taking such a hands-on approach to making, um, it's, 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 an, you know, it's doctors and advanced practitioners and nurses just feel valued it is going such a long way. Um, for, for those, Listening and maybe health systems or other organizations that aren't fortunate enough to have a Jenny Bonner um, in there, you know, in in, in, in in someone to help them come up with some of these ideas and address burnout. What are some steps that can be taken to try to move in the right direction?
0: Well, you know, I really believe looking at um, the literature. And what other people are doing is really an important first step. I've learned so much just from reading articles and looking at what um, is known out there. What what do we know? Um, for me, you know, of course, healthcare is all about being evidence based. But that, you know, um, using the evidence based qualities, thinking about you know, the standing on the shoulders of those people that have walked before us. That's really a gift, and it's important. Um, so, you know, really understanding what other people are doing and kind of piggybacking on that. We make each other stronger, right? So if it wasn't for Tate Shanefeld and, um, and actually I wanted to mention Steve Beeson too, we actually work with the Clinician Experience Project, which is a um, microlearning, um, it's an app that has like a microlearning platform with these little short videos, like five minutes each that can help you build skills. So it's all about upskilling, has a wide variety of curriculum. Um, Patient experience is um, one of them, but they also have quality and safety and leadership and wellness and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. It is really a wonderful, wonderful program. And we've partnered with the Practicing Excellence team to offer this curriculum to our staff. Uh, And, you know, Dr. Beeson and his vision and where he um, wants, you know, he's there to really help our clinicians have more meaning and purpose in their lives through his work um, I just admire him, and then of course um, I really admire John Kabat-Zinn and in the mindfulness work and the way that um, he brought mindfulness to the into healthcare. Really, um, Doctor, um, you know Kabat-Zinn, he is just an amazing person and human being that had a vision of how mindfulness could really be applied um, in healthcare for stress reduction. And as you know, twenty years of research or more has popped up. Um, that really show this incredible benefits of mindfulness practice. Um, So he's another one that um, I look to, but there's so much good work out there that we can, um, you know, use and stand on the shoulders of right now. I'm reading compassion. Omics. Have you heard of that book? Um, I have not. It's uh, Stephen Trzesk, and I'm not going to say his name, right. Trzeski. I can't say it. Sorry.
1: Sorry, Stephen.
0: And Anthony Mazzaroli, um, I probably butchered his name too. But this Compassionomics book is really all about compassion. And he's got a new book out. They both have a new book out called The Wonder Drug that I have not read yet, but people are raving about. That work is solid work that's based on scientific evidence. that really makes a positive difference in the work that we do.
1: Uh, So we'll make sure that everyone, just to to say that again, so the wonder drug and then compassionomics, (laughs) so like economics, but for compassion, compassionomics, both of those books are ones that you would recommend being read and then taking some of those nuggets and trying to bring them into your organization, as well as the Swinson model,
0: yeah, the Swinson model. Um, that's from the you know the literature. There's lots of work out there. Is my point. There's a whole host of incredible work out there that we can use, and um, and stand on the shoulders of, um, to build whatever we're building, in our unique contributions.
1: It's so important. And once burnout has happened, though, is there a way to reverse it, or is it too late once you reach that point?
0: No, it's not too late. Of course, it's not too late. Um, I, you know, so a lot of times physicians will, you know, kind of balk at this individual well-being piece. Um, they, they think, oh, you know, don't tell me that yoga is the solution. Um, you know, and they're right. It, It isn't, you know, it is a um, occupational syndrome. It isn't their fault. Burnout is not the fault of the person who gets it. It is a, um, a about the person's relationship with the workplace. That being said, once you have burnout, self-care is absolutely essential into recovery. Um, and I, I have a wellness background. I will take that stand. Um, you know, you've got burnout. Self-care is something that's essential. Um, how you do self-care, there's lots of different ways. But attending to your sleep and getting that restoration and recovery and um, so, so important. Uh, and I also um, think it's self-care um, and all those individual wellness, um, things like mindfulness meditation and yoga. Um, those things are also really important to actually um, prevent burnout as well from an individual perspective. So that has a very important place and role in burnout. Those individual wellness and well-being, um, you know, activities self-care is essential. I also really feel strongly that organizations need to um, figure out ways to work in self-care in the organization. So it's part of our routine so that our staff can actually attend to self-care while they're working. Um, I feel like that that is so important that we somehow intentionally build self-care routines into the workday, into the workplace, um, into our um, daily weekly, monthly, quarterly routines that we do in the workplace. Um, That is a a relatively new concept, but it's something that I feel um, is so important and is our future.
1: That sounds like a game-changing technique. And for you personally, how do you incorporate self-care into your daily, weekly, monthly routine?
0: I have two mottos. um, People come first and self-care comes first. Both are important. But self-care, if you're, it's like the golden egg, if I'm not attending to the golden egg that I have within me to be able to deliver all the things that I deliver, if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm going to dry up and not be able to produce the gold anymore. So self-care is essential in order for me to be able to give and do my best work. So I have to tell myself, because um, when, you know, there are times when things get really hectic and you um, sacrifice self-care and that's okay for a short period, but you can't do that too long or you're going to dry up and you won't be able to give the gold anymore. Does that make sense?
1: It does. It, it makes perfect sense. And I think what you said about sleeping, I know that for myself personally, that's something that I've really, at, at the beginning of this year, I set a goal for myself to make sure that I was was making sleep a priority and it's, it really does make all the difference when I get a solid eight hours of sleep in an, in a night, the difference it makes in my entire outlook for the next day, it's it's night and day.
0: Absolutely. So quality sleep and seven hours, is, seems to be the magic number in the research. Um, and I think every one of us is unique, but you know, seven hours is a good goal um, for many of us. And I think that um, nutrition and, um, you know, your spirituality um you know getting out there and doing recreation you know um and having joy in your life like finding meaning and joy um in your life is so important having fun is important um so where does that happen for you as an individual um you know some people they go to soccer games with their kids and they get a lot of joy out of that you know other people go sit on a mountaintop um other people find a lot of joy in the workplace um but, you know, it's important that we cultivate those things, that we put attention into them. Um, absolutely important. And I, I am the best student. I was in need of it more than probably most. That's why I ended up doing it, I think.
1: And, and now that you are, I mean, what a difference it is making in the lives of everyone at Banner Health. And I think anyone listening to this, they are probably, if they don't have this in their workplace, are very envious of, of what's happening. But hopefully they can figure out a way to incorporate it. Or even just maybe they can find a job at Banner because <laughs> it, it sounds like again you are making this a top priority and it really should be. Um, so I, I, I commend you for that and Banner for for really putting this at the, the forefront.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's um a, it's actually both of wellness and nursing and cultivating happiness and medicine are both long term initiatives for Banner, meaning that they are getting you know top attention. Um, so the work is really important to Banner. Um, it's important for all of us, and it's challenging, though. It is challenging, and I'm not going to minimize the challenges of it all.
1: Well, it's wonderful, and I just
0: appreciate you sharing all of these nuggets of wisdom with us. And
1: before we wrap up, I do want to ask about your healthcare heroes. This wouldn't be the Heroes of Healthcare podcast if we didn't give you the chance to to talk about some of your heroes.
0: I'm going to call out some of the angel nurses that I work with, and I call them angel nurses because they are truly what I consider angels in the field. Um, we all have had them. We all know them. I know they're, they're everywhere, but I want to, I'll want i call out a couple of, of them by name. I think Jennifer Fiegel, um, who's at Banner Desert Healthcare, is just an amazing human being, so dedicated to her peers and to the work that she does as a nurse. Um, she's a hero to me. Um, Kim Lacardi at um, Banner Gateway uh, Medical Center is also one of those heroes that she works both day and night shift and is totally dedicated to making a positive difference in people's lives. Um, there's so many of them. Um, you know, uh, my coworker, who's the chair of our steering committee, Audra Valentino, she's just an amazing um, nurse and woman who so passionate and enthusiastic about the work that she does as a chief nursing officer for Banner Casa Grande Medical Center. So it's those people that are doing everyday jobs that are out there. Um, I can say I work with a woman, Dr. Jennifer Rutberg, um, Dr. Cheryl O'Malley, Dr. Andy Theodora. They are incredible physicians um, that have hearts of gold that are truly in it to be of service and to support people. Um, Their hearts are huge. Um, and I'm so grateful to work with such quality physicians as they are. So those are the everyday folks that are my heroes. There's so many more of them. I can't even begin to rattle them all off, but that the people that I work with every day um, warm my heart um, and make me better as a person. Um, and then, of course, I have mentioned Stephen Beeson. He's an incredible communicator. I just so admire his work that he has done in, in the name of he's doing it you know, for people, um, with people. And I, I so appreciate that work. And of course I called out Dr. Um, John Kabat-Zinn. He is also, um, his work has been some of the most powerful work I've ever been involved with, um, truly changing people's lives for the better. Um, you know, and I could even go into mother Teresa. I mean, there's so many incredible people out there on the planet. And I even, when I, you know, I, I had this one patient who was dying He had adopted over 27 um, children in his life. He was a starving kid on the streets of Mexico when he was adopted by someone. And he gave back by serving his community in multiple ways, Um, always had um, an open table for a hungry person and adopted huge amounts of children, um, taking them in and giving them a home. Um, he is a silent healthcare hero, as far as I'm concerned, um, because he made a, you know, that way his story was so inspirational. It's just a common man facing the end of his life that made such a huge difference through his life. Um, there's just, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of us out there, um, wanting to make a positive difference in people's lives and many, many people who make a profound positive difference.
1: Well, I hope we can. I think we can all just after listening to this. I mean, I certainly want to strive to to make sure I'm one of those people. And Jenny, you certainly are for for so many. So, thank you for all the work that you're doing at, at Banner, and uh, thank you to the entire health system. Um, I appreciate you coming on today, and and I am excited to to take back what I've learned to my company, and and hope many others are able to do the same.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Olivia. You you are doing great work, and thank you so much for having me on this podcast and. You know, I, you know, we're human beings, you know, we do the best we can, um, but I, I'm grateful. So thank you. You've been listening to Heroes of Healthcare. For more, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player, or visit us at heroesofhealthcarepodcast.com.